Welcome to the Art of a Messy House podcast, where my house is messier than ever, but I am at my happiest. And the only answer for it is Jesus, where my hope is anchored. Come join me, Jen Kasuda, your host, for faith encouragement, testimonies, and devotionals as I share everyday faith in my real, authentic, not perfect way. There will be stories of humility, kindness, truth, and love as we walk in faith through the everyday relatable moments. As a wife, mom, teacher, and author, I'm learning to embrace this messy but beautiful life while encouraging others to do the same. No matter what stage of faith you are at, you will learn of God's love here and be empowered to walk in your own beautifully distinct purpose right here, right now. So let's step over the clutter together and laugh through the stress, for true beauty is in the art of a messy house. So dear God, please bless this beautifully imperfect mess. Love, Jen. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to have Angela Lawley back again. She was on here on episode five, one of the first episodes of the podcast launch. And so let me just quickly reintroduce her for those of you who did not listen to that one yet. Angela is the founder of Giving Hope Ministries. She is a 2007 graduate of Rama Bible Training College, where she graduated in helps ministry. Angela and her husband, Ryan, have been married for 23 years. They own their own business in their hometown of Canton, Texas. Angela is a mother of two amazing boys, Nicholas and Aiden. Eight years ago, Angela decided to start a home ministry where women of all backgrounds could come and hear the word of God. Her heart is to teach and equip women to fight for their marriages, children, and their God-given place in this world. There in her living room, Giving Hopes Ministries, was born and is growing day by day. You can join her live every Sunday evening on the Giving Hopes Ministries Facebook page and subscribe to her podcast as well as her website for weekly blogs. Thank you again for coming. Thank you. I love being on here. It's great. I love talking. So that that's always good for me. <laughs> <laughs> In praying of where to start, recently when I see your mm-hmm. post, and actually just a little while ago, something you shared, um, maybe it was yesterday, I'm not sure. I have not been spending as much time on social media as I had been, but that's always a good thing too. Yeah, me either. <laughs> something spoke to me. It was rise up out of the lies. Yeah. And I found that to be very encouraging, like a prompt, but also like very encouraging to really check our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. That's been on my heart for, well, forever, honestly. Um, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) And so about eight years ago, about the same time I started giving up ministries, I started just really digging deep into, you know, where I was spiritually and how culture has shaped me into something that I wasn't really liking at the time when it came to friends and when it came to even my quiet time worshiping God, how my daily life was structured. I saw these little glimpses of how outside culture had influenced me so much. And so I was like, okay, what is this? What am I feeling? What am I seeing God show me? Reveal it to me. It Well, first it was like, are you sure? Because once you know this truth, you are accountable for this truth. And I was like, yes, Lord. I felt like um, Solomon, you know, whenever he's like, I want wisdom. And God was like, thank you. Thank you for asking for something that I love giving people, you know, basically. And then it was just this journey of 
just seeing the enemy for who he was and how it was like this spider web that kind of flowed in and out. And it was some things were very subtle. Some things were blatant. I always call the blatant parts of the lies. Um, whenever you see it just outright, you know, it's just like, there's no dividing that. That's obviously evil. I call those a litmus test of Satan. He gives litmus tests every so often to see how are you going to react to seeing true evil? Are you going to brush it off? Are you going, you're going to stand against it? So then he can gauge on how the world is reacting to him. And then he comes back into the shadows and then he slowly chisels away until it's, it's like an artist looking back and kind of glancing at the marble stone and seeing, okay, where do, where does, oh, I see it's starting to look like a leg. It's starting to look like an arm. I just need to take a little bit off here and a little bit off here until it's created in the image that they see that they want. And so whenever I started on this journey, God was just like, this is a lie. This is a lie. I know this seems like truth to you, but it is a lie because what it has done, he goes, and you can tell that it's a lie because of how it pulls you a little bit away from me. It lulls you into this false sense of reality where you're too tired. You're too tired to read your Bible. You're too tired to spend time with your family. You're too tired to pour into your children. You're too tired to love your husband. You're too tired to go to church. You're too tired to do these things. And then we say, but I'm not tired to like, let's have a movie night and let's do an Avengers, you know, marathon and let's watch all the Lord of the Rings. It's like 12 hours of movie viewing and we're not tired. And it's like, these are little things that I believe are crippling the body of Christ. And especially as mamas. We have been sold a bill of goods that tells us that we have to do all these extra things when God doesn't call us to do that. He calls us to search him, to be with him. And then he adds these things. He adds the strength. He adds the purpose. He adds the vision. And even for our own children's lives and in our marriage and in our business and and all the different things that we do day in and day out. But it's understanding that lie, getting that thing like that weed plucked out of your heart. So then the blinders can come off. Years and years and years ago, we um, were attending a church. I think I mentioned this maybe last time. I've mentioned this so many times. I forget who I've told the story to. But we used to attend the church when we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Church on the Move, which was the pastor. He's still the senior pastor, but uh, Willie George is a pastor. And I grew up on Willie George. He was gospel bill for those of you old you know, those 80s kids who watched Christian television in the 80s, he was the Christian television for children in the 80s. He was like our generation's VeggieTales, basically. He gave a sermon that says, if you don't put on the lens of the Word of God through the Holy Spirit over your eyes, the enemy will be there to put his own lens on your eyes. If you don't do that for your children and put the lens of God's Word over their eyes, the enemy will come along and put his own lens. So instead of seeing the world through God's perspective, we see the world through Satan's perspective. We see the world through trauma. We see the world through, you know, whatever thing that we have raised up over the knowledge of God, we will see things through that perspective. And one of my very first sermons I ever taught in my home was, what perspective do you have right now of the Word of God? When you read the Word of God, what kind of narrative do you have? What lie has the enemy told to you? And right now you might not see it as a lie, but I promise you it is. Because if you say, when I read the Bible, I can't and you insert some kind of excuse, some kind of narrative that tells yourself, because now life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you've spoken this over your life over and over and over again. I can't read the Bible because 
I don't understand this. I don't understand that. This is hard for me. I don't get it. It's too deep. It's this, it's this, it's this. These are lies. These are perspectives that you've given yourself. That's not the perspective of God because God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so um, those little things that we don't really see, but once we see it and you go about your daily life and you say things, you're like, oh, you realize, I didn't realize that was a lie. I've been living this way this whole time. That's why I haven't been able to cross over this bridge in freedom. That's why I haven't been able, because I've just been blinded, trying to reach for the bridge with my eyes closed. And God's like, no, stand up, look at me. I'm walking you towards that. I'm walking you towards that area so that you can have the freedom to see me, to see the truth, to see the freedom, to see the peace, to have the love. And I made a post just, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday. And it was that it was like, we've swallowed these lies of the devil for so long that that he's turned them into nostalgia. He's turned them into complacency. He's turned them into these little rooted things that have placed inside of our lives that keeps us from seeing God and seeing truth and um, stepping away from the lies. And it's time to rise up out of that. It's time to lift your head up out of the fog so you can actually see that the kingdom of God is at hand and we have to be at work. We can't toil at this rabbit pace into nothing. We're basically digging into nothing. We have to start working as a cohesive group of people to promote the kingdom of God. But the first step is deliverance out of the lies that the enemy has placed to keep you from taking that first step. There's so much. I was taking notes over here of things to to say because there's so much that you just said that is just so good, right? And so many really powerful and really important reminders, like Mm -hmm. even as far as like the lies or the, the words that we speak over ourselves I actually brought attention to that to my husband, I don't even know, a couple months ago, because I was like, I'm really trying to like capture these and catch myself. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so I'm seeing it when you're saying it. I know it's like, I know your journey is different than mine, but like, just be mindful. This is Mm -hmm. what I'm doing, because there's so much of that that just happens that we don't even realize, right? And our kids are around and and they're not necessarily like bad things, right? Like, we don't, we, my Mm -mm. kids don't really curse or like, it's not like that. It's like these other things that are seeds of things that we don't want to be rooted in, like you said. Yes, exactly. And it could be something very simple, like you said. It doesn't have to be like blasphemous, just like there's all these bad words all in a row. Right. It's just literally like like women will say, oh, I don't like this because, you know, I'm mm-hmm. fat. Or they'll say, you know, you'll say, oh, I just have a horrible memory at this. Or these are simple things. Oh, I never remember names. Mm-hmm. People say that. That is one very common. People say, oh, I'm bad at names. Well, don't say that. If you have the mind of Christ, Christ knows them inside and out. Then what makes you think that God can't bring that name back to you? Because he created them. He knew them before the foundation of the earth. So you don't think that God can bring you a name? You know, it's so interesting you say that. That was a literal conversation I just had with my son. Because yesterday, he does not remember names. He's nine. And he... He's like, mm-hmm. he said to me in the car ride, I don't really remember names the first time someone says it. And I was like, me either. Mm-hmm. So do you know what I do? Because I recognize that I don't do that. And so I was like, I kind of make a joke, but it's real. Like, I'm like, I, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I remember names the second time around. So I'll re-ask mm-hmm. the person. I don't even need to say it necessarily like, oh, I'm going to forget your name. So let me ask your name again. But I was like, right. I'll say, what is your name again? And then 
then I remember. And he's like, oh, okay. So maybe the next time I'll just ask them another time. But it's so interesting that you brought that up because I was like, we just, we were having that conversation. Yeah. It's a common thing. Yeah. You know, people say like, oh, you're in your 40s. Oh, just wait. You're going to have bad knees, bad back, bad this. Yeah. It's like, don't declare that. No. Yeah. Don't declare that. Well, it's like, well, no, the reason why most of us have that is because we have not been good stewards of our body. Mm. It has nothing to do with it's because of our age. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with bad stewardship. Mm. No, that's <laughs> that is mindset and health. I am just learning so much of that. And that is something mm-hmm. that, you know, God, like you said, we can lean into him in all those moments, remembering names, but also, yeah, our health and being good stewards of our health. And so if mm-hmm. we do have bad knees, what can we do for that, right? Right. There are things we can do. Yes, there's always answers and God can give them to you or you can seek out people with wisdom mm-hmm. who know what to do. Absolutely. It just We don't have to subscribe to the negative in order to diminish our worth mm. in this world. And often I have found like whatever is being silenced, not maybe not mm-hmm. literally, but in my case, like many of the things like my speaking mm-hmm. for much of my life, like I didn't speak in different things and looking back. That was on purpose, right? The enemy was really trying mm-hmm. to silence me through anxiety or through whatever it was, being so caught up in perfectionism mm-hmm. and trying to get my list done. So I wasn't stopping to have conversations with people when in reality there were so many of these things. And I think that sometimes the very thing that seems like is something we can't do, we need to reevaluate, like you said, the lie. Like, why is it that we think that? And what is keeping us? Because that's the very reason. If there's something keeping us from it. We need to Mm -hmm. really understand that that is probably, there might be a blessing behind it because there's often that stronghold over it because the enemy does not want us to step into what God has for us. Exactly. I always say that the enemy knows exactly what you look like to God. Mm. He knows. He knows what you look like to God. He sees your spirit man. He sees your strength and he sees your weaknesses. He sees the actual self because God doesn't look at the flesh. He looks at the heart. And Satan can see your spiritual self because he is spirit. He's not in the physical realm yet. And so whenever we do things, he sends minions and he sends people in their own ditch to come feed into because, you know, misery loves company and just turns into this perpetual, you know, gear. And he's like, okay, they're simmering. I'll just leave them alone. And now we can move on to something else. And so we have to recognize that. So getting freedom of I know who I am in Christ That's why the top of your head is the helmet of salvation. Why is it the helmet of salvation? Because it guards your mind, it guards your thoughts, because you have to know that you are God's. Your perspective has to be salvation of who you are. You're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. And anything that tries to attack your brain and your thoughts, because eventually it'll go down to your heart and then it'll come out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have to get this conditioning of whenever I think of things, Is it because my mother told that to me because I watched my mom say that over and over again? Is it because I watched so much television and I found my identity in a certain type of person on TV and that's how they acted? Is it because this is my sin nature and that's just how I was born to react through my sin, my own sin nature? Well, either way, whatever it is, if it's not God sculpting me, if it doesn't line up to the fruits of the spirit, who I should line myself up to then I need to repent of it and ask God to take it away from me, to relinquish that so I could walk in the freedom of not thinking that way. Because a renewed mind in God's word is a mind that will receive and hold on tighter to his word so that you can live out his word and win your race. It all ties together. And the enemy knows that. 
He wants to pull all the little things and unloose and then tangle them up into jumbled knots. And so we have this jumbled, like I crochet. And the worst thing about crocheting is when your yarn is just so knotted up and you have to spend ridiculous amount of time and then you have to cut and then retie. And it's just all this wasted time that you could be spending on the actual project of getting things done. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to be spending all of our time toiling on these little knots in our life, mm-hmm. instead of us getting the tools that we need to become free and get a whole new, because God will take that jumbled up piece of knot and you can hand it to the Lord and he gives you a whole new thing of yarn. <laughs> and he's like, look, it's not knotted up. Look at this. It's brand new. It's a perfectly brand new thing of yarn. Now you can do your project. You don't have to work on that stuff. I got it. I healed you of that. Remember. And it makes me think back to even what you said earlier, where it's like not what we can do. It's about what God can do. It's about his strength, right? It's about him. Mm -hmm. It's not like we don't need to do all the things, right? Right. It's him. Mm -mm. It's him. Yes. I love that. And I'm finding that there's these seasons, but a lot of times before a breakthrough or some new season of some Mm -hmm. blessing, there is a lot of pressure. It's like Satan trying to break a window, right? To get us distracted, like... You Mm -hmm. think you're moving along, but what now? What are you going to do now? But it's like, that used to get me down, like for years that got me down. Like, what is going on, right? Mm -hmm. But then pushing past that and just fixing our eyes on God and saying like, I know when this happens, he's mad, right? He's he's lost. And so I'm going to stand in your victory and wherever, because this clearly is the breakthrough is coming. I'm going to declare that breakthrough over my life, not the broken window, not the whatever he's shattering over here, because God can use that the mm-hmm. brokenness to just yes. mold something better. Right. Yeah. I've witnessed that many, many times. We've had different words over the years, but it's like there's seasonal chasms that have happened in your life. There's certain things that the enemy wants to bring you back to. Mm-hmm. He wants to always bring you back to. And there were certain breaks in your life that it seems like almost for me personally, that this time every year, this thing happens. And he wants me to declare that. Mm-hmm in a way where I stay as that. Just like if I said, well, every year this is Christmas. Well, that is a solid thing that's set in stone that has been there for generations. He wants me to have something like that in my life. And so if I get myself focused on that, having a realization of that, I should say, is okay. I realize that that's happening. So whenever the enemy tries to come, it's like recognizing your enemy, like stranger danger. You know, like I recognize that this is happening, but I'm not going to fall for it this time. It's like, I know what you're trying to do because I'm working on this big thing. I'm trying to promote this. I'm trying to get over this. I'm trying to help my children with this. My marriage is going in this great direction, blah, 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 blah. And now here he comes, you know, like in this car trying to knock you off the road as you're driving through life. And it's like recognizing it and just either pumping your brakes or just saying, okay, Lord, you take over. This is it. I'm doing in the natural And now you need to take over 100% because the enemy is coming to attack me to pull me off of your way. And I want to stay on your way. And yes, many times I've had conversations like this with countless friends where I'm like, many times I've gone into just like this dark, you know, like, God, what is going on? Help me, Lord, just help me. I can't see, you know, the forest for the trees. It feels like everything is just coming down. And then I withdraw and then no one will see me again, you know, for months or months or whatever. And I won't talk to anybody and I'll just do my thing. I'll become silent. And just a few years ago, I was like, ah, oh, okay. It's not just me. It's not just because my family's crazy. <laughs> it's because 
the enemy is trying to attack because he sees the potential. He sees that if you do overcome this season in your life and you allow God to help you through this season, that's the key is allowing God to help you through this season of your life. You are going to learn something that is going to equip you to overcome in the next season. He doesn't want that. And then he, I mean, he will send all kinds of stuff, even through your children, through your marriage, through your finances, whatever it is that you're trying to keep together, you know, that you're really seeking the Lord with your help, he will attack that first. And if he can't get to you, then he, he attacks your husband. If he can't get to your husband, if y'all are both solid in your faith, then he's going for the next child in line that is struggling. And he sees, before we see, an enemy can see the dark cloud, the the thoughts, the whatever, the entertainment that they're, they're struggling with. But if they're strong, then it's the next child. It's the next child. If your core family's strong, he'll attack your parents. If your parents are gone, he'll attack whoever's your pastor. You'll, you know what I'm saying? It, it's a way to chisel you down, like I said at the beginning, to an image that keeps you from saying, whoa, I see this as an attack from the enemy. He doesn't want you to recognize it as an attack from him. He wants you to either turn it inward or turn it outward to the people around you. And then once you obey that, he's like, I got you. You obeyed me. You didn't obey God. You obeyed me and I got you. And now we're going to take this journey till we recognize it and turn around, repent and say, God, I see this and I don't like that I'm humbling myself. And I'm going to say, I don't have the strength to fight this battle. You're going to have to take over 100%. And I'm just going to pray through this. I'll do all the natural things. I'm not going to go to bed. I'm not going to, you know, veg out. I'm not going to Netflix and chill. I'm going to get in my word deeper. I'm going to worship harder. I'm going to love my children even when I don't want to. I'm going to love my husband even though I don't want to. I'm going to get up and go to work. I want to put on a little bit of lip gloss. I want to do something that makes me feel pretty or whatever. I'm going to read that book. I'm going to study that devotional and I'm going to get through this until the the smoke clears. And then it, and it always does. Yeah. It always does to like encourage anyone who may be walking through something like that. Any moment is the chance to really recognize it, right? And just say like, yes, I don't, for sure. whatever it is, like, I don't want this for my life, for, for my family's life. Help me. Mm-hmm. I surrender it to you, God, because you can heal this, right? And mm-hmm. you are working always. And so it's really encouraging. I was thinking about how often the burdens that we have are like, like this, like, you know, I think that there's a lot that you share that's like a burden that's something that's burdening your heart, right? And just so you share on your pages and in on your podcast. And in, in those times, those burdens sometimes God puts on our hearts or those challenges that we walk through are really mm-hmm. because he's he's doing something that we can't see, right? In the supernatural, he's doing something that if we push through and we recognize and we lean into his strength, he may want us to speak out and say something. I'm sure there's a lot of different things on your heart right now that are burdening and that you are teaching to. I know this is a really loaded question. There's a lot of different things. No, it's okay. I'm good. (laughs) Is there something that burdens your heart with like children or with your family? Is there advice that's just been something? I know my children are younger than yours. And so is Mm -hmm. there advice for for moms of all ages, right? Or parents right. of all ages. Like, is there something that's a burden? Because there's a lot of my hearts that burdens me these days, right? Oh, and for sure. Me too. I'm no longer waiting. If it burdens my heart, I'm praying about it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, there's a reason why it's there. 
yeah, whatever it is. And sometimes if it stays there, I recognize there's something I often have to do with it. One of the lies of the world is like, there's so much we have to do. So then that it takes away our time, right? But mm-hmm. time is a choice. And so I'm mm-hmm. learning that there's so much in these like small moments throughout the day that there's so much we can do in those moments. There's so much we do have. Yeah, for sure. I feel that 100%. Every time I get on social media, I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> just one more thing. One more thing is one more thing to add to the just the worry for not really uh, my children per se. Like you said, I'm in a different season than a lot of my even friends um, have with their kids. My oldest is 23. My youngest just turned 18. Right now, my burden is making sure that I have said as much that I can about the Lord to them. Um, because right now it's their choice. It is all on their shoulders. My husband and I have taught our boys Jesus from the moment they were here. They took their breath on this side of the womb. You know, they don't know life outside of church, which is a blessing, but they still have their own mind. They still have their own influences. And in this world, the lines are so gray um, when it comes to believers now who have compromised and have allowed their idea of how what God accepts and what he doesn't. And they have completely put aside the scriptures that says, hate what God hates and, you know, love what God loves, because at the end of the day, our job is the kingdom. And so right now I've been really trying to you know, ask my son's questions like, well, what do you think about that? What are your ideas? And it, I mean, it's not like, and I'm now, now that, now that I know what you s- have said to me, I'm going to lecture you, which I do sometimes, but only if it gets to the point where I'm like, are you sure about that? You know, I taught you better than that. And the Holy Spirit leads. But for younger parents, it's such a whole nother era of living and of navigating because the enemy has made so many things have become so just commonplace in our mind, in our culture, that we don't think twice of it anymore. And that's one of the reasons why I'm like, we need to get out of this fog. We need to get out of this lie because there's so many lies we've introduced. There's, there's so many things because we have allowed our own traumas to even through the church of like, oh, I don't want to be that harsh religious person. I don't want to be a, you know, a Bible thumper, fire and brimstone Christian. It's like, yeah, but listen, there is fire, there is brimstone, and we serve a holy God. And yes, that is scary. And sometimes it's not maybe not the time or place to tell your small children, but they need to know that there is a place just like prison. We warn our children, we obey the law, you obey a police officer, you don't argue with police, you don't fight them when they're, you know, you don't do these things, you don't shoplift, you don't do these things. Why? Because we don't want them to end up in prison or even worse, get to the point where their minds are so far gone that they end up getting, well, depending on the state, capital punishment. We don't want that for our children. Well, how much more should we be really driving it home that there is an internal prison? There's an eternal prison that if you don't live the life that God has planned out for us, that is a good life. It's a blessing of a life. It's life full of love and peace of mind then at the end of the day, when we have rejected him, he's going to allow us to live with our rejection and go to the place that we chose to go. 
And I think that that is my biggest burden is that so many parents have watered down the gospel for their children because they don't know how to navigate the world of their children because they see the world through this lens, again, a lens that has been placed on their eyes that have compromised so much and they want to be PC with their children. And it's like, don't be PC with your kids. You know what your kids can handle and what they can't handle. You know how to talk to them at the age and at their own understanding, but you still need to talk to them. You need to let them read the Bible, let them read the Bible out loud, and then let them honestly ask questions that might be upsetting to, you know, have your little one who you birthed and nursed say to you, you know, my children were the same way. They were like, I don't believe that that is possible because it doesn't happen today. Why can't Jesus just come back now? Why can't we just, what kind of God would let these, all these questions that you have, allow them to ask that and then give them a true perspective. It's like what we are seeing right now is a world that has chosen to live outside of God's law. If we live inside of God's barrier and his protection, we will love our neighbor. You won't see people robbing because you will honor God. You fear God. You won't see people molesting their children or pastors or teachers. These are real pastors and teachers for one. Let them know that, that people, if you hear about a pastor molesting children, he's not a real pastor. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is not a real Christian. He is a false prophet because no one who is truly submitted under the authority of Jesus Christ would ever lay a hand on a child. Mm -hmm. This is just the truth. And they need to hear that. They need to see that, especially coming from mom and dad, but then get them around other teachers and let them hear other teachers who are telling that truth also. So then it can confirm that. It's just like a public education system. At kindergarten, they hear their kindergarten teacher teach. You know this. Yeah. You hear this. And then the next year they get this, but it, it builds on top of what their right. teacher did the la- year before. And then you continually do that. Same thing with parenting. You as a parent, you parent for the next 18 years, but you also have them have other teachers that reinforce what you have taught them. That is important just that they have that. The Bible is the guide mm-hmm. and to, to learn the word for themselves. And that was one mm-hmm. of the main reasons why we even started my church does like Wednesday night, prayer night and different ministries for the children. And so to surround them with, you know, like other people who are walking through the same thing, the same ages. And that was really important to us. But I love also how you said, ask, allow them to, well, ask them questions, right. And listen Mm -hmm. to what they're saying. Yes. Even when you're like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. Right. Like, not that you're saying that out loud, but (laughs) you're like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Just allow, question that too. Right. To see, because sometimes even the Mm -hmm. way it comes across is not the way that they mean it either. Exactly. To allow them to ask questions is so important to keep the communication really open to be doing that. Yeah. That's really, really key. That back and forth communication, knowing that I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor your emotions and how you're processing this because God honors mine. Mm. God honors my crazy. (laughs) You know, when I come to him, I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm thinking. (laughs) And he's like, no, (laughs) yeah, what are you doing? Um, He honors that though. He gives me this place and the space to talk to him and the most honest, raw, emotional, sometimes revealing of myself to him, just completely naked, top to bottom in my mind. And I allow him that freedom too. But I have that relationship with him and your children should be able to have that same relationship with you. And again, this just popped in my heart. Like when you 
open up that door and you're like, okay, as a family, we are going to decide to come together and read the Bible and study the Bible. We have to first lay the groundwork again. If you have a lens on your heart that's angry towards the church, that's angry towards a specific pastor, that's angry towards a specific denomination, that's angry um, towards certain laws that God wrote, you know, in the Old Testament, you have to lay that aside. Mm. Because what that'll do is that'll create a child that is more skeptic towards the word and the church then is welcoming towards it. Um, I've seen this over and over and over and over again. Parents are wondering, why are my children not wanting to go to church? Why are my children not wanting to do this or be a part of this? Well, because you laid more of a groundwork of your hurt and your pain than the truth of God's word, because God's word is restorative. God's word is life. God's word is truth. And many people, that's why we have the word, because we have the examples of people who lost their ever loving mind. Like what were the children of Israel thinking like over and over again, like they would just be like, and a good king came up and then a bad king. And then a good king came up and then a bad king. And then like, it was just like this bounce on a trampoline over and over again. But they have to see that nobody's perfect. Pastors aren't perfect. Pastors aren't your savior. Mm -hmm. They're here to help shepherd. They're not your savior. They're going to be imperfect. So if they divorce their wife, if they cheat with the secretary, if they do these things, understand they are not Jesus. They are men that have to struggle with their flesh. And same way as, you know, I don't expect you to be a perfect child because you still yell at mommy. Mm. You still disobey mommy, but I still love you. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to love you through this. We might not go to that church anymore because he hasn't submitted himself, but we are going to love him because he's still a brother in Christ. And even though he's struggling with this, we're going to pray that he gets this settled in his heart before Jesus comes back. You know, so there's a way to do it in order for them to have a healthy relationship with God in the church if you don't have that in your home. Yeah. And once again, it's the recognizing, even like you said with the Israelites, like the bouncing back and forth, right? It's like, no, God wants to break us through. And yet, Mm -hmm. what are we holding on to that is keeping us, our focus not on what he has for us? And I think that that's just really recognizing, like, there's always more we have to do. There's always more, right? There's always a work in our hearts. Like nobody, everyone, Mm -hmm. like you said, we are not the savior. We are not called to be someone else's savior. You know, there's one savior. And so that's where our eyes need to be. Yeah, for sure. Before we close, is there any other advice you would give parents these days? Or I know you gave a lot of advice there. Um, Just be vigilant. Um, For moms, trust your heart. The when it comes to that discerning spirit that the Holy Spirit has given you, even women who are not um, born again, they still have that mother's intuition, like we like to call it. Um, trust it. If you're walking by your child's room and you feel kind of a check in your heart and you feel like something's not right, don't ignore it. Take a moment, even if it's just a knock on the door depending on the age, some people have open door policies. Um, But you knock on the door and say, hey, how are you doing? And if you can sense that it's even darker in there, I always do this to say, um, I just want to tell you that I love you so much. Can I have a hug and let them hug you? Even my 18 year old, he'll stand in the hallway now and just go like this with his arms (laughs) open. You know, of course, I'm down here like this to him (laughs) and he hugs me and I'm like, I knew he needed that. And then if you feel like that wasn't enough, that they're really going through something, be be consistent and follow through. Think like maybe you change the 
change the routine that night and go do something like, hey, let's go grab some ice cream and just have that conversation. Respect that that godly intuition that he has placed inside of us. God gave um, children to women through that connection for a purpose because he knew we would honor that. He knew that m- many of us would um, nurture that. And um, I feel like we're scared to ask those questions. We're scared to ask because we're scared to hear that those dreaded whatevers at the end of what they're asking. But don't be afraid. Don't be led by fear and trust your trust your gut. And if you have the Holy Spirit, 100% trust the Holy Spirit because he will never let you down when it comes to your kiddos. Amen. Well, thank you. And before we close out in prayer, where could people find you? Yes. Well, um, every podcast platform, I have my podcast. Um, I have been taking a break for now because I'm trying to write a book. And so I'm good at multitasking, but not like that. So I have been taking a break for my podcast, but I have about five seasons of my podcast on um, every platform. Um, You can find me, especially on Facebook. I'm more on Facebook, really, than I am on anything. I'm trying to get on TikTok, but it's just Angela Lolly, and it's usually GHM, Giving Hope Ministries, in the tag. Um, Or follow Jen, and you'll find me. (laughs) Not too far behind. There you go. Well, thank you. Do you want to close us out in prayer? Yes, of course. Lord, we just thank you, and we give you all the glory and all the honor for this time. Lord, I just thank you for Jen and this ministry. I thank you for all the women that she touches every single day, every single week through her ministry and through her word and speaking your word, declaring your word over all the mamas. Lord, we just pray that you just soften our heart and give us hope, give us freedom, give us wisdom, give us strength to endure. Help us to see you in all the little things and help us to speak boldly your word over our children, over our own lives, over our marriage, over our circumstances, that we won't look through the lens of the enemy, but we will look through kingdom lens, a lens that is filled with love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I thank you, Father, for everything that you have done for us and through us. Thank you for teaching us and keeping us humble. Thank you for giving us wisdom when we need it. And thank you for showing us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We love you, Lord. We praise you and give you all the glory and honor. Thank you for protecting us in these next weeks to come. Thank you for helping us to stand firm and to rise out of the darkness. We praise you and give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Art of a Messy House podcast. And thank you even more for being here. Be sure to visit theartofamessyhouse.com to join the conversation. Subscribe there for weekly devotionals and discover some fantastic bonus resources as well. And while that's all for this episode, I hope that you will follow along and always remember, most importantly, that you are loved, you are seen, and you are known. So until next time, God bless.